Again, it's Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 15. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear now the word of the Lord. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not head up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Then this, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, everybody. It's good to see you. Uh, Good to be here worshiping together. It was uh, kind of refreshing that uh, I had someone else speak last week. I just wanted to take time to thank you all for being so receptive to the message that Pastor Richard gave. Uh, The reason why we had that was I wanted, starting from the future, for our congregation to have a relationship with all the missionaries that we support. In the past, we kind of knew we donated something to somebody And maybe every once in a while, they would show up and give an introduction, which was good. But I wanted us to be more involved in the missions that we are supporting, and especially the missionaries. So Pastor Richard had shared something from IJM, and praise the Lord, we had people respond and also give um, generously. And interestingly enough, uh, the week before was about Thanksgiving and generosity, I didn't plan it that way. I just asked him what week he was free. And he came last week. And um, I mean, I got to be honest with you. When he first came up, I had no idea exactly. I had no idea what he was going to do. He did say, you know, I'm going to do an ask and ask people to donate. Um, I didn't know it would be something corny like Freedom Partner, but he did put that up there. I didn't know he had chains with him. And I'm a sinner. So when he honestly lifted up those chains, I was like, oh, no, he's going to drop it on our nice hardwood stage that we just built. (laughs) And then he lowered it like two feet. I was like, praise God. But I'm a sinner. Um, But I I was moved by his message. And I'm happy that so many of you responded so well also. Um, We do want to partner up not just with Like I said, we want to be generous, not just with our own church, but we want to have opportunities to give outside, right? 
And so this was an opportunity. You don't have to. Don't feel guilty if you didn't. But if you still want to, we still have envelopes that you can still use and partner up. If you were, some of you came up to me and said, I wanted to check out their financials, and you did. And what, what I thought of immediately was, you guys are like the wise Bereans, not the Corinthians. The wise Bereans who checked everything and tested it against the word and then made sure it was good. And I think it's a good thing. So if you looked at it, you saw how much money they got in and what they put out and what their productivity was and what their response time is like. It's all on their website. But I have to say, if you are looking for something perfect, then you will never give. If you're looking for an institution that will act perfectly in accordance to your standards, you won't give. You won't even give to the church. We want to be as transparent as possible in this church But even then, if you're looking for perfection, you will not find it. And the Bible never says anything about you having to seek perfection before you are generous. In fact, if we read the Bible, the poor are lacking in not just money, but all these other things. And yet we are still called to give to the poor, even if they were to use it not our best way, the best way we think is possible. I thought of this story that a pastor told in his church and he shared with me. And he said they had a little fun for people that were needy. And they gave money to one time the single mother, hoping that she would use it for rent and food for her two children. And when they found out that she used the money that she received to buy things for herself and her kids, the church elders got a little upset. You know, we gave this money so that you could put food on your table for your kids. We gave this money to you so you could pay rent. Why'd you go buy things with it? Why'd you buy an iPad with it? And then she responded, I was never able to buy a Christmas gift for my two children, so I thought with this money I can finally get them a gift for Christmas. And that's why she spent that money. So instead of being quick to judge I have found that we give first and then we see how God works in our lives as he calls us to be generous. You have to excuse me, kind of losing my voice. I'll take a swig of water every now and then. I said it in youth group, but today is a special day because it's a special Sunday. SS, a super Sunday. SS. That's it. It's just a Super Sunday. Um, I think because of the Super Bowl, this sermon is pretty apt. There's going to be a lot of prayer during this afternoon and evening. Prayers that we want to lift up to God and hope that this person finally wins another ring or this person really deserves it because he is indeed the most talented, apparently, Like his kid is less than one, if you don't know who I'm talking about, one of the quarterbacks, Cam Newton said his uh, son is less than one. He's already able to like dunk a basketball or something like that. In his interview, he was very confident at the athleticism of his child. And we have these two quarterbacks pitted against each other, these two teams together. And there's a lot of prayer going out. I can feel it to God. (laughs) 
but uh, we're going to end this whole sermon series of worship and finally get on to prayer. And people ask me, what do you pray about? And if I'm honest, I pray these days for Psalm 146.9. I ask God to frustrate the plans of the wicked. I mean, if you're asking me honest, let's be, let's be honest. God, frustrate the plans of the wicked so that your plan would go through, so that your will would be done. That is my prayer. May God's will be done here in this church. There will always, always be people who will nitpick, complain, be bitter about anything. But God's will isn't to nitpick, be bitter, or complain. God's will is for us to respond to the message. And if we, even if we don't understand it fully, we do our best just like the Bereans did, but we act. And then we see God open up the gates of heaven and pour out his blessing. And a lot of the times we gain a little understanding before, but we gain a lot of understanding afterwards. So it's not just post. It is pre, during, and post. Speaking of prayer, we are going to start Lent. It's a very exciting time for our EM in history because as we start Lent this Wednesday it is Ash Wednesday, and we gather together on Wednesday night, and we do have a service, 8 p.m. this Wednesday, instead of Bible study, and we're going to continue Bible study next week. And if you don't know already, we already started Bible study, but you're welcome to come. Any Wednesday, you're free. Just come. And we had this great long discussion, almost slash debate, on like demons slash... Um, who deserves something, pity, sympathy. I don't know how they all connected, but they did during the Bible study. And I'm not going to explain it to you because you had to have been there. So too bad. No, um, but I want to welcome you, welcome you to join us in the Bible study. But this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. A lot of us, we get excited because we're always talking to each other. What are you going to fast? What are you going to fast this year? Pastor Eugene, are you going to lose another 40 pounds? And I would say, I hope not. And I hope I don't. But it's exciting. Just in case you're not familiar, it's where you fast something throughout six days, starting Ash Wednesday. But you fast something. And then on Sunday, it's a little mini resurrection. So you can still do that on Sunday. And Easter is the culmination of Lent. And then we feast together together. In the past, we've had a nice Easter luncheon. I hope that we can have it this year as well, depending on um, our logistics and what we can do. But I hope that we can. And this year, I want us to change it a little bit. Before, we said fast for something so that we can feast on something, which is incredibly, incredibly brilliant. But I want to add something to that. Let's be reminded of Isaiah 58. We fast from something so that we can loose the chains of injustice. So fast from something this Lent so that you can loose the chains of injustice. So if you're going to fast a meal, you would take the money that you would save from fasting in that meal, and I would say use that to loose the chains of injustice. Give it to a good cause. Donate it. Um, give it as offering 
You are free to do as you like, but loose the chains of injustice. We have people who will fast other things, but I would say fasting and prayer leads to action. So join us in the Hannah Missions this month. Join us in Bergen Regional this month. Join us as we participate in IJM. We have so many options. And I think it's because we're so blessed and so rich that we can do these things. Let's get on to prayer. When a doctoral student at Princeton Seminary asked, what is there left in the world for original dissertation research, Albert Einstein replied, find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. On the week of 9-11, a prayer that was repeated was, God, bless America. Do you see how that prayer changed too? According to Gallup polls, more Americans will pray this week than exercise, drive a car, have sex, or even go to work. Nine in ten say they pray regularly, and four, three out of four claim to pray every day. One psychiatrist said that after counseling people for over 20 years and listening to the inner yearnings of their heart, he is convinced that human beings have an inborn desire for God. And that way is prayer. It didn't matter if you're religious or a-religious. In the days of communist Russia, they had a red corner placing a portrait of Lenin where Christians used to have their icons. In the 1950s, Pravda, which was their main news resource for the people, Pravda would state, if you meet difficulties in your work or suddenly doubt your abilities, think of him, of Stalin, and you will find the confidence you need. If you feel tired in an hour and you should not, then think of him, of Stalin, and your work will go well. If you are seeking a correct decision, think of him, of Stalin, and you will find that decision. Whether you are religious or a religious prayer is an incredibly important part of every single human being's life. And we are in it. We want it. What is it, though? And so we look to the passage. The overarching theme is what is prayer, but we want to separate into three points, and that is what is prayer not? Who is it that we pray to? And what do we pray? So what is prayer not? Who is it that we pray to? And what do we pray? So what is prayer not? Who is prayer not supposed to imitate then? Apparently, Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. The hypocrites were the Jews that prayed for recognition during that time. They prayed out loud so that people would recognize them. I'm going to go to Sebekido so that people see that I go. That kind of thing. I'm going to go to this prayer meeting so that people will see and recognize that I'm a holy man. Essentially what that is, is a prayer for yourself. And he said, don't be like the pagans or the Gentiles. Why? Because they would pray in many words. 
They thought that if they would pester, pester the gods, they would listen to them. So they would say things like fast and a lot. I'm not saying this is uh, paganism, but I find it funny when, when we have a prayer and then we kind of address God 50 times in one sentence. Lord God, please, Lord God, help, Lord God, me, Lord God. Lord God. And then you know, it just goes on. But the Gentiles also thought that many words could do that. I think maybe we do that because we're nervous. So we'll say, Lord God, 50 times. I can only imagine God saying, yes, yes, that's my name. That's good. I'm glad you got it. Tell me what you want now. (laughs) But essentially, if you do that, what is also happening is you're praying for yourself. Hypocrites, pagans, Jews, Gentiles, if you pray like them, he was saying you're praying for yourself. And if we are to find out about what it really means to pray, we as Christians should look to the Bible and find what it teaches us. Because although we can't deny a need for prayer, prayer itself, doesn't it bring up many questions? What's important here? Isn't it who we're praying to? Why is that important? Because you would ask, is God listening? Why should God care about me? If God knows everything, what's the point of prayer anyway? Why do answers to prayer seem so inconsistent, even capricious? Does a person with many praying friends stand a better chance at physical healing than one who has cancer but with only a few people praying for her? Why does God seem close sometimes but also seem far away in other times? Here's another question that people ask. Does, God, does prayer change God or does prayer change me? Why is the question who do we pray to so important then? Because when we pray, we are being taught That while our needs are incredibly important, there is something incredibly important-er that comes before that. When we pray, we connect to the source. The resource isn't the focal point. It's the source When we pray, it isn't about the resource that we're wanting. Resource, resource, resource. But when we pray, we are connecting to the source, not the resource. That's why prayer is incredible. God offers us this opportunity. When we open our mouths and we start praying, we are connecting with the ultimate source. You know, my job is not the source. That's what we're saying. My friends aren't the source. My marriage is not the source. Whether I get married or not, whether I have a family or not, is not the source. God is the source. And he is asking us to connect to him. That's why Jesus says directly to his disciples before he teaches the Lord's Prayer. He says, your father knows what you need even before you say it. Therefore, pray. How does that make any sense if you think prayer is only about the resource? Your father knows what you need. 
That's why you should pray. What's that mean? If you think prayer is only about the resource, then that statement makes absolutely no sense. God already knows why should I pray. But if connecting to the source is prayer, then he is saying, God knows everything you need. Connect to him. Pray. Then it makes absolutely all the sense in the world. God, Jesus did not treat God's omniscience as a disincentive to pray, but he says it as a motivation for you to pray. In Malachi 3.6 it says, I, the Lord, do not change. Hosea 11.8 says, my heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. God's unchanging character, his compassion makes him dependable. But his character, then, is that of preference to love and mercy over judgment. So, yes, we were made to pray, and the Lord here is encouraging us to pray. What does he say? Our Father. He starts off by reminding us that when we pray, we pray together. I may have made fun of our morning prayer, but honestly, I believe that is why the Korean church is still vibrant. They know the meaning of praying together in the morning. Jesus doesn't say, this is how you should pray, my Father. And how can you pray our Father alone? That makes no sense. So when you say, our Father, you are praying together as a unit, as a family, pray together. Get your kids, get your spouse, put them together, pray, our Father. As a small group, pray, our Father. And as a church, we pray, our Father. We are reminded that we, when we make a petition, it isn't just personal concerns that we are lifting, but it is the plight of the people that we are lifting up with prayer. We can pray privately, that's great, but it's never about your need alone. That is why he calls us together to come together, to gather together, and to pray. Hallowed be your name. Do you know when this was being taught in the Roman state The Roman state religion required that Caesar's name alone be hallowed. So when Jesus is saying, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, he was making a radical call. He's saying, above any other God, above any other idol, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be God's name. Even now, even now, this very moment, spiritual forces are battling within you, within us, to take supremacy over our lives. Don't you see dissent, bitterness, complaining? This is a battle that we're facing. And it's trying to take over And that is why we say no. We are not going to look to ourselves, even ourselves. We are not God. 
We will not put ourselves as idols. So we say, hallowed be God's name. Sanctify your name in this place. Your kingdom come and your will be done. We are a people that cannot serve two masters. So the former kingdom must go and God's must come. That is why we pray your kingdom come. Give us today our daily bread. This is by its very nature, if you read into it, if you listen carefully, the current kingdoms we are asking it to end. Every kingdom, every regime, every empire, every state, they cannot feed and clothe people even with the basic necessities. Daily bread wasn't just for those that think they deserve it. It's for not just the haves, but it's also for the have-nots. It's not just for those that we pay attention to, put a spotlight on, and pour out money to them, but it's also for those that we might neglect. We are saying, God, give us today our daily bread because life is a gift, and God gave all of humanity this gift to live out and enjoy. That's why when you start giving, you are reinforcing Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is a statement asking for freedom. If we have a debt, we are not free. If we cannot forgive, though, then we are also subject to bitterness. And ensuing that bitterness is all the unforgiveness and the fruit of that bitterness. So God wants us to be free. Jesus elaborates even further when he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. If you can't forgive while you are offered forgiveness, he is saying you are rejecting the offer of your own forgiveness. Why? He tells a little story. He says, one time there was someone that owed somebody Two hundred million dollars, and when he went, he was supposed to give the debt. He didn't have two hundred million dollars. We don't have two hundred million dollars, and he forgave that person the debt. That's incredible, isn't it? Two hundred million dollars, and you would say, "It's okay. Forget about the debt. I'm going to go in my books. I'm just going to count it as a loss. I'm going to take that loss." Upon myself. And this person who received this incredible debt forgiveness goes to someone that owes him $200, beats him up, puts him in jail, charges him with thievery. Does that make any sense at all? And yet, if we do not forgive, When we are forgiven, we are just like that man. And I see it like this. If you give power to a wicked man, then the wicked man will subject others to pain and turmoil. You give power to somebody. You give freedom to somebody. And that person is wicked. That person will take that freedom and subject others to oppression. Be careful. And I would say... What Jesus is saying is absolutely true. 
realize that you have been forgiven an incredible, incredible debt. Something that you could never have paid off, even if you lived in eternity. And he's saying, forgive other people. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We ask the Lord to deliver us from evil and wickedness. Why? So that we wouldn't sin anymore. It's hard. We know that we are weak. Don't lead us into temptation, God, so that I don't have to sin. That is what he is praying. And even Jesus prayed it. You wonder. Sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, I can take anything if God gives me strength. So bring it on, God. (laughs) And they would pray this. And I would think, you have no idea what you're asking. Even Jesus himself would pray, if possible, take this cup from me. But not my will, but yours be done. And he teaches us to pray the same way. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What do we learn? Resources, they cannot protect you. Your job, your spouse, your family, your education, money can't protect you. Whether you say you don't believe that or not, money cannot protect you. Connect to the source. If you commit to God, then there is nothing you can't do because He is the source. All resources belong to the source, and he holds it in his hand. He owns cattle on a thousand hills. And if you need it, he would provide for his children. Why would he not? But it's not the cattle that we worship. It is the source that we worship that we connect to in prayer. Jesus died and rose again so that we can connect to the source. That is why when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name. He is the reason why we can connect to the source. He is the reason why we can have an abundance in resources, an abundance so that we can help our neighbor in their time of need. This Lenten season, as we begin it on Wednesday, let's remember by praying and fasting, we are trying to connect even more deeply to the source, not merely for resources, but connecting to the source first for its own sake. We can have a relationship with the King of Kings. The Lord is my shepherd. What do I lack? In our bulletins, I put a quote. Every, every week I change the quote, but this week I put a quote in the bulletin by Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln It's arguably probably the most famous president that we have. And he said this, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for that day. Abraham Lincoln was a great man someone that presidents today still try to emulate. Yet he himself says, I do not have enough because I am not the source. No matter what I have, I am not the source. So he prayed to connect to the source. 
I want to invite you into a time of prayer. And as we pray, know that when you open your mouth and open your heart and you ask Jesus into your life, you are connecting to the source. Connect to the source. Give him your heart. He knows what you need before you even say it. May the Lord minister over you as you pray. May he calm your spirits. May he renew your life. May he give you comfort and a peace that the world cannot give. Connect to the source in prayer, thereby worshiping him.